You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha, and thank you so much for joining us here this Sunday morning, our first Sunday of 2021. Um, just blessed to have you with us. We're actually going to continue our time of worship right now as we take our morning tithes and offerings. And if you guys know, um, this is a way in which we worship with the things the Lord has entrusted us with. We now give to Him in an act of worship and to participate in the furthering of His kingdom in and through reality Honolulu. So let me go ahead and pray that God uses these funds, your giving for the furthering of his kingdom here in Hawaii. God, thank you so much that we can gather here this morning and we thank you for your generosity and your provision. We believe and we've seen and you've shown that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And not only have you provided and sustained, but you've allowed us to serve um, those inside of our church and our community and seeing the gospel go forth. Even in this past year, 2020, uh, we've seen you move in radical ways. And God, we ask with these funds this morning, um, with these tithes and offerings, with these finances, we, we say, God, these are yours. Use them for your kingdom. And God, as we're gathered here digitally, we ask that you'd bless today, you'd anoint today, and that you would get all the credit and all the glory for what you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. I uh, just have a few announcements before we get into the Word of God. One which I'm very excited about, and that is a Bible reading plan for us to present to us to, to read the Bible, specifically the New Testament together in 2021. And so on our website, right on the home page, there's a button, there's a picture, uh, Bible reading plan 2021. Go ahead, read it all, check it out, download it. Um, and it's a, I would call it a realistic Bible reading plan that we can actually accomplish together. You know, so many uh, times I know we've, we've done our best to start off the year reading the Bible daily, to go through the Bible in a year, and we just lose track by the end of January or whatnot. Um, and I understand that I've been there too. But I want us as a church to know God's word and find and encounter the person of Jesus, to know who God is, who we are in Christ, and who Jesus is, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives would be transformed into the life of Jesus. And uh, man, my life, my own personal testimony, many of you know this, is I got saved middle school, I, I jumped into reading the Bible and I went on this mission trip to the Philippines and the training was to read the New Testament, the entirety, when I was like 13, a chapter a day, it took us nine months. Um, this plan's even a little slower than that, but it was the foundation. It is the foundation of my faith. Even verses to this day that I have by memory is from that period of my life. And so I want us to be a people that know the word of God for ourselves. And so I encourage you to join with us. Um, 
and, and read it with us. And it actually starts tomorrow, um, not the 1st of, of January, but the 4th of January. And so we can read it together starting tomorrow, Matthew chapter 1. Check it out. Um, I'm really excited about it. And that said also, this Wednesday, we're starting back up our uh midweek prayer and worship times. And so at the same home and space that we had our Christmas uh, service, we are going to be gathering and we, as we have been midweek, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., to lift up a shout of praise, to worship in person and pray in person, um, as well as a live, uh, I mean, a, a Zoom option as well to, to feel that if you can't make it or aren't comfortable, totally cool, you can Zoom in and, and get that as well. But we're lifting up our church. We're praying for our church and our community and our island home that God would move mightily. There's no greater thing as a church body we can do than to pray and seek uh, our Father's face for his hand to move in our midst. So I want to encourage you, if you can, on Wednesday nights to do that as well. And also, um, obviously, I encourage you to come every Sunday and join with us for House Church. But specifically next Sunday, I'm going to be doing a Vision Sunday. The Sunday is going to be dedicated to just casting vision for us as a church, reminding us what we're about, what we, what our core values are, kind of what direction, what directs us. Um, we do this every January thus far as a church, but I, I feel like this one's an important one because so much has happened in 2020, and a lot of people are new, and especially if you know if you're new. Or if you know someone that's interested just in our church, this would be a great Sunday to tune in for. Next Sunday, January 10th, um, Vision Sunday, 2021. So I want to make sure you you come and or you know come digitally to that. Uh, really excited um, in the midst of all that's going on, what God's called us specifically as a church to do and to be and and and, and to serve and how, what's what's our place? What's our um, place here in Hawaii as a church and so excited for that. But without further ado, I'll stop talking here and we're going to get into the Word of God. And once again, just like we had last week, we have a guest uh, teacher this morning and his name is Al Abdullah. He's the founding pastor of Reality Boston that Rashad last week took over for. He's now the uh, founder and executive coach of um, Soulful Leading, leadership coaching and life coaching and um, me and Al and our wives and our families go way back. We've been a part of the reality family for a long time. And we've just been through it all together. And uh, we've been in the trenches, so to speak. We've served the Lord all over the world together. And um, it's a dear brother, a dear friend. And one thing, many things I admire about Al. But uh, one thing is his ability to stay close and near to Jesus in the really hard parts, the good, the bad, the ugly parts of life and life stages. Um, and so I believe that this morning, uh, Al has a word for us from the Lord to kind of enter us into 2021 to practice the presence of God, to be in the presence and practice nearness and um, that we would walk near with our God in 2021. And so please give your attention to Al Abdullah um, and let's get into the word of God this morning. Love you church and um, hope to see you very soon. Aloha reality Honolulu. My name is Al 
and Happy New Year. Aren't you glad to say goodbye to 2020? We don't know what's to come for 2021, but we're sure glad to say goodbye to one of the craziest years in human history. Um, it's an absolute privilege for me to share with you from Scripture this morning. And if you don't mind, I'd like to jump straight into it. The text is taken from Luke chapter 10, and I'll pick up the reading at verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This is God's word, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to now speak to our souls and revive us as we journey with you. Amen. It is an absolute privilege, as I mentioned, for me to share with you from Scripture. One of the reasons is that I and my wife, Nina, were able to be a part of the prayer tour that happened just before your church launched a few years ago. We were there with you, praying on the ground just before everything started. And I have longed to be able to be with you personally, face to face, and I hope to do that someday. Um, but for now, we get to do this by way of technology. Um, it's also been an incredible privilege that the church that I pastored in Boston for many years, we were able to partner with you and to help support in the early years. And it's just been such a joy to watch our dear friends, Ryan and Zoe, pastor your church so faithfully, so effectively. And um, they are our dear friends. We absolutely adore them. You have some of the best with you. And uh, as I mentioned, I pastored a church a long time. I've been a longtime reality pastor in 2012. My wife and daughters and I, we were launched out of California and we planted a church in Boston, and we pastored there for eight years. And in the last year, we decided that we wanted to be back near family. This is where we wanted to live in California again. And so we did a year-long transition where um, I handed the church over in the course of that time to my good friend Rashad, whom you heard from last week. And um, we are now living back in California, thankful to be warm again during the winter time. And I am now pastoring in a different capacity. I am a, an executive coach and guiding leaders to their desired destination and wanting to be a representative of, of God's kingdom um, wherever I'm doing that, where, whoever, whomever I'm working with. And um, one thing that I've learned in that period of time of working with leaders is this. There's one word that has the potential to change your world has the potential to change your relationships, to change your life, to change the course of where your life is headed. One word. That word is actually found in this text. Maybe you picked up on it a bit. And the truth is, is 
I don't think that I've always been aware of that word. And of course, we need this word if we're going to have any sort of change. Never before have we needed change probably so radically or dramatically, in, at least in my time of living. And yet, when you ask so many people about this kind of change, many people want change in the world. Few people want or know how to experience change in their own soul and in their own life. And as the phrase says, we need to be the change that we seek. Well, I don't know that I've always was aware of the power behind this word that I've shared with you or that I'm going to share with you. Stay tuned. Um, and that's maybe one of the reasons why my depression lasted for so many years, longer than it needed to, perhaps. As I mentioned, I pastored our church in Boston for several years. Um, the church was thriving. I was leading hundreds of people. I was speaking to thousands of people. My uh, daughters, I have three girls, they were growing up beautifully. And my wife and I had been happily and faithfully married for, for many years at that point. And yet I was very stuck. I was stuck not experiencing joy. I lacked joy. I lacked contentment. I lacked a, a deep trust in the care of God, a confidence in the loving care of God. And it really began to leak in several ways. It began to leak in the form of, of complaining, criticism, judgment. During that time, I, I realized that I needed some help. I needed some help in the form of other counselors and coaches to come around me and help me see what was happening in my life. And in this story, I see a, a very similar thread of stuckness in one of the characters, at least. It's a sister by the name of Martha. The story is about two sisters, both who are seeking change, both seek that change in radically different ways. And in Martha, the woman that Jesus speaks to here, I see similar patterns keeping her stuck. See, on the one hand, Martha is very hospitable. She knows how to open her home up to strangers. She knows how to uh, share a meal with others and to share the love of God with those around her. She's incredibly hospitable. And in our day and age, hopefully post-COVID, I know of few ways that we're able to share the love of God and good news with the world around us, like opening your home and sharing a meal. And hopefully once COVID is uh, you know, a thing of, of the past and restrictions are lifted, we'll be able to do that again. I'm sure several of you are very good at that, providing ohana to people around you. The second thing that she's really good at is that she has a tremendous servant heart. She's the one, if you were to go to a church, she would be the one behind the scenes preparing the uh, food or preparing the snacks or setting up the chairs. And she's faithfully leading. She's faithfully serving Jesus and his people. And yet for all of that, she's stuck. In this story, it shows that she lacks joy. She lacks contentment. She lacks a... Uh, confidence in the loving care of Jesus, which is why she asks the question of Jesus that she does. And because of that, when she experiences those emotions, it seems that the way that she begins to deal with it is to try to gain control, in this case, control of her sister, 
and control of the way that God is working in her life. When she's out of control, she tries to gain control of others, her circumstances and her surroundings, control of her sister and even control of Jesus, which is why she asked the question, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Do something, tell her to stop, tell her to change. Martha's unaware of the change that needs to take place in her first. Don't you care? That is a question asked two times in the scriptures. The first time it's asked is in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus tells his disciples to go to the other side. He, he tells them to get in the boat and sends them to the other side of the lake. And there they're going to be a part of the next mission that they are sent toward. But you know the story, while they're in the lake, a severe wind rises up. Um, we're told in the text, the text indicates that this isn't a normal wind or storm. This is, this is maybe demonic in nature. This has evil implications. It's wanting to take their lives. And as these professional fishermen are trying to get out of the storm, out of the trial, out of the trauma, they look over and they see Jesus doing what? Sleeping in the boat. And one of them runs over to Jesus and wakes him up and says, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? I've asked that question probably more times than I care to admit. Maybe you are asking the question today. As you exit 2020 and enter into 2021, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that this is happening? Do you see me? Do you see me rowing? And of course, Jesus in the story, he awakes and he quiets and calms the storm. And then he asks them a question and says, why are you so fearful? Where's your faith? The second time this question is asked, Lord, don't you care, is in this story here. We just read it. And of course, we learn in the story that there are two roots. Um, in fact, in verse 42, it shows us two root causes for the reason that Martha is so frantic and so distrusting of Jesus' care in her life. Jesus points them out in verse 42. Do you see what they are? The first one is worried. The second one is distracted. Worry. It's a word that indicates a choking in nature. She's got these cares and concerns that are actually starting to choke her peace, choke her joy, choke her confidence in God's loving care. And now it's coming out in the form of complaining, criticism, and control. Worry and fear, when you put the two stories together, is how she feels. And distraction or more work is how she deals. Maybe you find yourself critical of others right now. Or maybe you find yourself being judgmental towards others, or maybe even towards yourself. Maybe you find that you're lacking joy or contentment or confidence in God's 
loving care over you. Maybe you're overcommitted, even doing lots of religious stuff and serving people, but maybe underneath it, it's just fear. Maybe it's worry. Can you be honest with yourself? Can you be honest with God right now that that's what you're feeling? Maybe you've even wondered, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care what I'm facing? It's been happening for so long. That's what Martha's wondering. And you know what? She doesn't actually ever get an answer. Why? Maybe the answer is not really what she needs. Because Jesus gives her something that's stronger than an invitation, than, excuse me, than an explanation. I gave it away. He gives her an invitation. He invites her just to pull up a chair and sit next to him. Maybe you're wondering, Jesus, don't you care? And what you want is an answer. Of course I care. And maybe an answer isn't what you'll get, but what you are getting in this story and by the Spirit is an invitation to pull up a chair and sit next to the Good Shepherd. It reminds me of uh, the movie Home Alone. Of course, it's Christmas time, and it's one of our family's uh, favorite things to do is to watch Home Alone, although we weren't able to do it yesterday. Um, and different story. In Home Alone, uh, Macaulay Culkin, which is the little boy, um, he has heard this story about his next door neighbor that keeps him afraid throughout the entire film. That the next door neighbor is this mean, scary old man who kills little children and you should watch out for him and stay away from him. And so he does. But then he meets two other bad guys who are trying to ruin his home and, and steal his family's stuff and ruin Christmas essentially. And so uh, at one point, this little boy, Macaulay Culkin, he runs into a church just to find a sense of solace, a sense of safety and security. And he's, he's in this old church. He's watching other children perform. They're preparing, it seems like, for some show, and they're singing a Christmas carol. And there's a sense of peace in the moment. And when he looks over, the old man neighbor has come and sat down right next to him, and he looks at him with terror. But then the old man begins to point to the stage and show his granddaughter that's up there. And as Macaulay Culkin is sitting in the presence of the one he feared and heard all of these scary stories about, he realizes that he's safe in the presence of this man. And as he points out to his granddaughter, he realizes this man is not one who kills children. In fact, he's filled with love. He's a grandfather who loves his children. And this man ultimately helps Macaulay Culkin defeat the bad guys and save Christmas. Well, Jesus is pointing to Mary, Martha's sister. Mary has learned to not be afraid in the presence of the one who is actually filled with love. And he tells her sister Martha, Mary's not being selfish. Mary is practicing sitting in my presence. She's prioritized me above all else. And it's because she sits with me and listens to my heart for her and for the world that she's not frantic, that she's not fearful, 
She's not judgmental. She's not worried. She's not overworking so she can be accepted. She's not trying to control others or her surroundings. She feels secure. She knows she has my approval and she's free now to release control to me, the one who is in ultimate control. And Martha, that's what I want for you. Martha, I want you to practice what's called contemplation. I want you to sit in my presence in silence. I want you to listen to my heart for you. I want you to feel free. I want you to feel fullness of joy like Mary is. I want you to feel divine love like a loving parent sitting with your child. And as she hears God's heart for her, I imagine it's more gentle than she's ever known. It's more powerful than she could have ever imagined. It's defeating all of the stories that she's ever had. It feels like someone coming home after a long, lonely, cold journey. Henry Nowen, a man who is familiar with contemplation, he made it a practice to sit in the presence of God in the midst of all of his darkness. He says this about contemplation and silence. At first, silence might only frighten us. In silence, we start hearing voices of darkness, our jealousy, our anger, our resentment, and our desire for revenge, our lust and greed, and our pain over losses, abuses, and rejections. These voices are often noisy and boisterous, they may even deafen us, but would you close your eyes and listen to this next part? Our most spontaneous reaction is to want to run away from them and return to our distractions, our entertainment maybe. But if we have the discipline to stay put and not let these dark voices intimidate us, they will gradually lose their strength and recede into the background, creating space for the softer, gentler voices of light. And that's where we hear peace and gentleness, and goodness, and joy, and hope, forgiveness, and most of all, love. They're part of God's voice calling to us from all eternity, saying, my beloved child, my favorite one, my joy. That's what Mary is experiencing here. As she sits in quiet contemplation, her questions are being redirected. Her story of herself and of God is being reshaped and her identity is being restored. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And do you know how crazy that is in this culture that she lives in? Sitting at the feet of a rabbi was a practice reserved only for prominent, important men in that society. And here she is, a woman with a past that she's certainly not proud of. She's had seven demons exercised from her, scholars say. And her past is not something that she would be proud of. But this is the kind of person that Jesus is making an invitation to come and sit in his very presence. And that's good, for, good news for you. And it's certainly good news for me. Sitting with Jesus slowly frees her of all of the other labels that she's had attached to her in life. As she sits with the Trinity, it restores her truest identity. It gives her a deep sense of worth and meaning, a value that goes far beyond her cultural norms. 
And can you imagine what she's experiencing as she's sitting in the presence of Jesus? Can you imagine what she's experiencing as she sees his eyes look at her? What does she see in his eyes? What does she feel coming from him? What do you see in Jesus' eyes as he looks at you? What do you feel as he invites you to say, my beloved, come sit with me. I want you to choose the better part. There's one thing you need. Mary has chosen it, and I want you to choose it as well. That's the word he uses in verse 42. Mary, it says in my translation, has made the right choice. And there it is. That's the one word that has the power to change your entire world, to change you, to change your relationships. Choice, decision. At some point, Mary made a choice. She decided that she was going to prioritize sitting with Jesus, hearing his voice in silence, just listening to his heart. Choice plays a big part in the direction of our life. Decision determines the direction of our life every day. When I work with clients, I, a lot of times we'll ask them before the end of the time that we have together, what are you committing to? What is the commitment that you're willing to make? Sure. Um, I might say that, you know, in 2021, I want to get in the best shape of my life. Well, there's a big difference between wanting and willing. Willing is saying, I'm going to decide, I'm going to choose, I'm going to commit. And Mary has committed to sitting at the feet of Jesus for her own spiritual formation and growth. Moses talks about choice in Deuteronomy chapter 30, but just before his death, he says to Israel, see, I set before you today life and death, blessings and curses, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Did you know that Michelangelo's statue of David has a very distinct uh, pose? It's not a pose that represents when he was chosen to be king or when he entered into the kingdom or when he defeated the giant Goliath. The pose is meant to represent the moment of decision when he decided to make the choice he was going to fight against the forces of evil and he was going to step into his high, the highest version of himself. It's the moment of decision. And if Martha is going to experience the same kind of transformative love that Mary, her sister, is, then she's going to have to choose and decide to practice the presence of God, to sit in the aloneness of, with Jesus. And there's several ways to practice the presence of God. I've learned to do this, um, the importance of this on an ongoing basis. Sometimes at the end of my day, I'll just ask two questions. Where did I experience God's love today? Where did I lose sight of God's love today? It's called the exam or the examination of consciousness. Sometimes I'll practice the exam during the afternoon time. Sometimes I just practice silence. I'll light a candle and I'll sit with it and I'll use one word or phrase. I might lead you through that practice in just a moment. 
Oftentimes, it's through the regular reading of Scripture and then the praying through that Scripture, which I'm going to offer you that practice at the end of this time. Whatever it might be, contemplation, prayer without words, is simply me looking at God and God looking at me. That's the heart of contemplation, says one 19th century monk. And so the way that we do this is... Uh, pretty simple, actually. It's not easy, but it is simple in that uh, you can think of contemplation as the final rung or the fourth rung on a ladder called Lectio Divina or divine reading. And I'm going to give you this practice as I mentioned in just a moment. But you follow through each of these phrases, reading the section of scripture one time and then another time and then another time. And at each section or at each uh, time you read that, it's followed by a different question or a different practice. So the first time you read through it, you read it prayerfully and slowly. And then you meditate on that passage of Scripture. Then you begin to reflect and pray that passage. At some point, you come to what is called the highest form of worship, which is just simply sitting in silence with God, allowing Him to stir all of your desires and to understand your desires and following your pattern of breathing and be reminded that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings every breath to you. Are you willing to choose to be the change that you seek? Are you willing to choose to, this week, sit alone with Jesus, practice the presence of Jesus, and hear his heart over you? Maybe three times. Are you willing to choose that? Well, if you are, I want to remind you of why you can choose that. The reason why you can choose that is because Jesus was faced with a choice. All through his life, he's faced with the choice of abandoning God's way and doing it his own way or yielding and abiding in the Father. And of course, at the end of his life, he's faced with the choice. The author of Hebrews tells us that um, he faces two choices. On the one hand, he faces the shame and scorn of dying on a shameful Roman cross as the Son of God. And yet, on the other hand, he faces the joy that is set before him, you coming and sitting in his presence and being free to come and make your home in him. And as he looks at the two choices, he despises the cross. He chooses to go toward the cross so that and be excluded from being welcomed by the Father in that moment, taking sin upon him so that you take his righteousness upon you. And now you're always welcome into the presence of the Father, always welcome into the presence of God. And at any given moment, you can practice the loving presence of God. That's good news. And so I want to guide you into a simple practice now. Of course, as I mentioned, there will be a download for you to be able to practice this on your own using the text from the, uh, the great storm that I mentioned in Mark chapter 4. But for this one, I'd like to just invite you to close your eyes with me now. Wherever you are, unless you're driving, of course, I invite you to close your eyes and settle into a time of quietness with God. And just begin to take two deep breaths. And then just follow the rhythm of your breathing. And say to God, Lord, 
you're with me and I'm here with you. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. Come Holy Spirit. As you enter in now to the story of Martha and Mary and you see Jesus teaching his disciples, I want you to imagine that you're entering into the story with your eyes closed. What is the look on Jesus's face as he notice that you enter the room? How does he look at you? Where are you in the home? Who are you in this story? Are you Mary sitting and lost in the words of Jesus as you listen to him? Or are you Martha? You're busy, you're worried, you're distracted, and yet Jesus is still coming to you. What are you distracted by? What are you worried or fearful about? Like Martha, are you asking Jesus if he cares? Maybe give yourself a moment just to ask the question if it's there. Like Martha, is there someone that you're holding something against? Someone who's wronged you and it's become very difficult to let that go. Would you allow yourself to feel that? What are you feeling in your body? What emotion do you have? Can you give that person and that situation back to Jesus? Asking for grace and committing to forgiveness. Can you be vulnerable with Jesus about that now? I invite you just to choose one word as a simple prayer. Maybe it's a, the prayer and desire of your heart, like care, love, grace, peace, wisdom, or maybe it's the title of God, Good Shepherd, Father, Abba, Healer, Counselor, Defender. Well, listen to that prayer. And just begin to repeat that word as you sit there in silence in the loving presence of Jesus. It's been a privilege to be with you. I pray that 2021 is when you find your heart exploding with love and a sense of God's care and your confidence in him ever increases as you make the decision to practice the presence of God.